If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today, I have a listener episode for you. Today, I am talking to Maya from Chicago. She talks about her breakup that happened end of last year and the journey of getting to that breakup. She is so gracious in sharing her story. I do want to warn you that we do discuss the topic of abortion in this episode, so do you want to put that warning on there? But Maya and her boyfriend had a very intense beginning of their relationship, then reality really came in and kind of slapped them in the face, and then they tried to get back to that beginning part for the next year of their relationship, and we talk about the anxiety that comes with not knowing your place within a relationship. We talk about how difficult it is to heal when you're not doing no contact. Maya shares her experience of having to live with her ex for a month after breaking up. She also talks about how she did break no contact and how they were seeing each other for a couple months after the breakup and and what she learned from that experience. We also talk about Maya's, this is her first time being single since she was 19 and she's now in her 30s and what that experience has been like and how empowering that's been and the lessons that she learned from having a past of codependent relationship. So I just loved Maya's storytelling. She's such a great guest to have on the show and I'm so excited for you guys to all be able to listen to her story. She did write a beautiful article that I read before interviewing her that about her abortion experience that I'm gonna, I have linked in the show notes, and I highly recommend you guys take the time to read that as well. But here is Maya's story. Welcome, Maya, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. It is so nice to have you on today. Thank you. It's so so great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're doing this listener episode. Could you start off by just giving a brief kind of introduction of of who you are? Yeah. So my name is Maya. I live in Chicago. I'm a PhD candidate here. And I've lived in Chicago for the last almost five years now. So I am a PhD candidate and I run and I play chess. Um, I have a lot of friends here. 
Um, so those are kind of the main things I'm involved with at the moment. Amazing. So your we're let's see, we're in July. So your breakup happened last October. Can you start off by just giving kind of a brief, there are parts of your story that we'll kind of dive further into, but could you start by giving kind of a brief overview of the relationship? Yeah, absolutely. So as I was thinking about what I wanted to share, I think I kind of wanted to foreground the picture with the fact that I'm 27 years old. And since I was 19 years old, I have been in long-term romantic relationships. So that was sort of the background from which I met my ex. He is also a PhD candidate. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. We're in the same program, which has made the whole like no contact thing very interesting. But basically when I met my ex, I was fresh out of a relationship. Like we're talking a few days out of a relationship. And I was at the first sort of like party post COVID. So it was like the first party I'd been to in like years at that point. And it was also the first time I drank alcohol in like uh, two months. I'd done like a two month. And I know you talk about like alcohol a lot in your podcast. So that was sort of the background from which we've known each other because we were in the same department, but we never had a conversation before. We never, so we sort of met at this party. We have this deep conversation where we talked really intimately about like things that, you know, you should probably wait to talk about um, until you know somebody a little bit better. And then from there, we were basically inseparable for the year and a half that we dated. So we had a really beautiful two months together where looking back, it was very intense, probably too intense. And then in month two and a half of our relationship, I got pregnant. And so our relationship sort of transitioned from this like amazing in love, like this is the most exciting, passionate thing we've ever had to like, oh, now we're in this really serious, like traumatic situation together. So we went through the abortion and then I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but it definitely changed the nature of our relationship. We're kind of trying to put the pieces back together. Yeah. And we stayed together until October. So where he broke up with me after having just moved in together for a few weeks. So that was sort of the end of the relationship. I think, I mean, I, when you're sharing about like the night that you guys met, I've definitely been in situations like that where it's, it's so hard not to get swept off your feet when you're kind of in like this very like novel experience together of like the first party post COVID fresh out of a relationship. You have like this instant connection with someone. So I think, you know, it is hard to not get swept off your feet and, and, you know, those beginnings of relationships now, obviously looking back, it's like, okay, I can see that that's not like quote unquote, a normal start to a relationship. However, you know, in the moment, it's it's beautiful and it's fun and it's thrilling and it's exciting. And I think, you know, we've all been in situations like that. Not to say that's how we want to start a marriage necessarily, but like, I think we all have kind of relationships like that. And I think what it takes in those situations is for reality to hit. And for you guys, you know, you had a really harsh reality hit very early on. I mean, would you say two and a half months in that's two and a half months yeah very early on and I'm so grateful that you're open to talking about it I think it's something that you know obviously 
needs to be talked about more. So was he supportive of that process for you? Yeah. So it was really interesting because kind of like you're saying, when you're in this really passionate thing with somebody and you're sort of you're rational self kind of goes out the window and we were just like locked into this idea of like we've never met anybody like this this is incredible you think you know somebody really well and then when I got pregnant what we realized is we really didn't know each other at all we'd only been dating for two and a half months we barely knew like what each other's stances on like abortion or having a a child was there was just so much that we hadn't communicated about because so much of our relationship was built on like oh my God, you're the most incredible person I've ever met, which is like fun. And then this got thrown into the mix. So he was like incredibly supportive in terms of like how somebody can be. He was kind of saying like, let's do this together. He came to the clinic with me. We decided to have an abortion. He came to the clinic with me. Like it was on paper, the most like supportive someone could be. I think what happened for both of us is that suddenly like shit got real. And so it was this exciting like fantasy world we were living in. And then that was just immediately stripped away. And so for me, I just wanted to feel connected to him so badly. I just wanted to feel like all of that love and like passion that he was putting at me. I wanted to keep feeling like that because I felt you know, the most vulnerable I'd ever felt in my life. My body was changing. And for him, he was in logic mode. He was like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? Let's schedule this. Let's do this. And so right away, we just weren't like clicking. Yes, that completely makes sense. And I think that's the dynamic, you know, not to like gender stereotype, but I do think that's like something that happens in relationships. Whenever something happens, it's like, the woman wants to feel closeness and then the guy is like, okay, step like step one, step two, step three kind of a thing. And I imagine afterward, you almost want to be like, okay, where were we? But you can't just like, you can't go back to that feeling right after that. It's like such a big record skip that you can't necessarily just jump back into how it felt before. And I'm sure there was some sort of longing for that. Well, that's exactly what happened is that we started to get into this vocabulary after the abortion where we were like talking about those good times and all we wanted to do was feel that level of closeness. Something I didn't mention is that at the same time that I got pregnant, my grandma died. And so I was going back home to Los Angeles. He didn't come with me, but it was just like, the reason I mentioned that is it was just too much for people that hadn't known each other for very long. And so what happened is I went home while I was pregnant. He was here in Chicago and we just sort of like did not have a basis for communication while while that was happening. So yeah, I came back, we had the abortion. And then for, I remember like one week after the abortion, we were looking at each other going like, when are we going to get this feeling back? Like, when are things going to go back to normal? And we had no idea that we had, honestly, we never got over it. We can talk about that more, but we had a long road ahead of us. It wasn't something you could just snap back to. And that sort of like bliss we felt in the beginning was gone. And looking back, you kind of even realize that some of that It wasn't really even about the other person at that point. We didn't know each other enough to have this like deep, intimate love. We were just excited by each other. Yeah. 
Can I talk about your article? Yeah, I'd love it. Okay. I highly recommend, I'm going to link the article that you did, but the part that you talk about going back to LA and like having that conversation, it was with your dad, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just like, I highly recommend everyone read that article. It was, you do such a beautiful job explaining the experience, but it's like, I think the reason why relationships need to take time to get to know the person is you do have to see how you handle hard things. And, you know, on some level, it's obviously very unfortunate. You guys had to hit so many hard times in the beginning, but I guess in some ways, like, I don't know, sometimes that can weed things out early on, I guess, if we can look at it, like looking back. And I think when you're going through something like that of, you know, your body changing, going through the abortion, losing a family member, you don't really have time to tend to the other person. And you're not really in the stage relationship wise where you can just put the person on the back burner. I think that's the hard part too, is there are times where you really need to focus on just yourself in your life. And that's really hard to do in a very new relationship. Oh, absolutely. And I think like for both of us, we both have such a strong desire to feel like special from the other that was such a theme in our relationship is Mm -hmm. we loved that we were like the first person to make each other feel that way and we did have I mean I'll talk about this more but we had an incredible intellectual connection which I I mean I miss to this day there were things there that were incredibly special but I think when I look back what the abortion sort of brought to light is that we weren't entirely compatible in just like a day-to-day level. And that really manifested when we moved in together. But like, and I've talked about this a lot in therapy, huge advocate of therapy, but like it's a relationship isn't based on feeling like you're special and feeling like the other person's special. That's like an important part of it, but it doesn't mean you're compatible just to feel like you're the most like special person in the world. And so there was a huge loss with that after the abortion realizing oh, like I am someone that's also going to make you upset. I am somebody that can't attend every need. For him, he just got to a point where he felt like there was nothing he could do that was good enough. For me, I was like, I'm pregnant and my grandma just died. There isn't anything you can do that's good enough. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) That's a really, I mean, that's a really good insight. And yeah, it feels great to feel special. I think that's the why dating and relation in the beginning of relationships feels so good because it's so novel and it's so exciting, but that, you know, that feeling can't, can't last forever. And so what did, let's look at like month three through, you know, before you guys moved in together, how did you find a new normal within the relationship? So I would say, so I had the abortion in September September and October were just like some of looking back, some of the hardest times of my life because I was also, we were starting the school year. I was a teaching assistant for the first time and I experienced like really deep, like I don't even know if insecurity is the right word, but I just felt so self conscious because I'd had this like huge change in my body. Nobody knew. I, you know, I, I wrote the blog article recently, but I didn't tell anybody about the abortion for a year. So nobody knew. And I just had to start, right. I was diving into my dissertation. I was teaching. It was just a lot. And I had no time to sort of grieve what had happened. And so 
We were really struggling in September and October. We were having lots of issues with like sex. We were having lots of issues with just feelings of connection and closeness. And we also, every single week, we were like, we just got to go back to how it was before. That was our frame of reference. Like, let's just go back to that feeling that there was before, not realizing that that was gone. Like it was time to create something new. And so things got better sort of in November as time went on, we started to feel some level of closeness again, but our entire relationship was extremely chaotic. So we both deal with different like mental health issues. We both are like people that have been in a lot of codependent types of relationships. And so honestly, there was never a period where we just had months of stability. And I think we were clinging a lot to this idea sort of this idea that we were so perfect for each other and that we could feel so good again. But looking back, I think if we were just solely focused on like what is going on in the moment, I don't know that either of us would have thought it was a good idea to to stay together. I think we clung on to this idea that there was like a before we could get to, or we did have moments when we feel really, really close and amazing. And we just thought this has to be our normal there's a time we can get to where it will only feel like this and it never did. Yeah. It reminds me of people who, you know, who struggle with addiction. It's they, the first time they try a drug and and then they spend literally years chasing that feeling and they're never going to get it back again, kind of a thing. And I think, I think on some level, every relationship does go through this period. Yours was just so magnified in such a short, short period of time. And so even with all the chaos and stuff, what, when did the decision come to, to move in together? Like, were you kind of just both like, okay, if we just soldier on long enough, we'll get back to what we were kind of a thing. Well, looking back, this is kind of my favorite part of the story in a a kind of masochistic way. So (laughs) we decided we went on spring break together in March and we, you know, stayed in a little cabin in Wisconsin with horses. It was awesome. And we decided we had our leases were going to be up in June. So we were kind of figuring out like, what are we going to do? And we decided we were going to move in together. And so that was super exciting and it was like a great trip. And we started looking at apartments. You know, we had a few months, but we were sort of just looking around because at that point things were like going fine compared to how things had been going before they were going fine. And then I took him back to LA for Passover. He's not Jewish. I am. And I was really excited to show him that. And so we, you know, spent Passover together and things were like sort of rocky, but they were, they were fine. And then when we came back to Chicago, this was still in, in April, it it was two weeks before my birthday, which is in May, we looked at an apartment together. And then he said, it was Friday. And I said, Oh, do you want to like come over? And he was like, yeah, let me go home first. And then I'll come over. And so I left the door open for him and I was taking a shower. And I like, he came up, he got to my house on a Friday evening. I was just wearing a towel. Like we're very comfortable with each other. I'm just like still wet from the shower and we sit down on my bed and he just looks at me and he says, we need to talk. And I was like, what? And then he breaks up with me. So I'm wearing a towel and he breaks up with me. And this is in April and it was completely unexpected. We'd had no conversations about breaking up. It was, I was blindsided. I had no idea what was going on. 
he left. I'm just left. Like I'm still like naked. We just looked at an apartment that day and I just don't know. And I wish I had found your website at that moment (laughs) because 23 hours later, he calls me back and he says, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I don't know why I did that. Let's get back together. I still want to move in with you. And I'm just like, okay. Like I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, of course. That's habit. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, what you want dream. in that scenario. Yeah, of course. Of course. And so for me, he was like, he had taken that 23 hours. He had decided this actually can work. All We had all of these talks about how we were going to make it work. We sort of talked about why he did it in the first place. But I think the red flag looking back is he couldn't really put his finger on like what had changed, like why this would now work when he was so unhappy. So after all that, we decided to move in together. But after he broke up with me like that, I think the trust was kind of gone. I was so nervous. He was just going to leave me like all of the time. And then he, I think all of these issues were just building up for him. And he had thought once we got back together, all be gone. But of course, we're the same people. And so we move in together in August and things are just bad. Us moving in was like a switch, like whatever stability we had been able to keep the moment we moved in together, all hell broke loose. We completely stopped having sex. We weren't close. Like we weren't able to communicate. And so I would say two weeks after moving in together, he starts sleeping in like the spare room. And then we go to a work trip together in Canada. We like drive to Canada together. It's just like the worst work trip ever. I'm like crying the whole time. He's like barely talking to me. And on the way back from Canada, we decide, okay, we're not going to talk about breaking up until the new year. We're going to give this one last shot. We're going to go to therapy together. That was my big thing. We need to go to therapy together. We're going to see if we can work this out. We've only lived together two weeks. Maybe we can work this out. So we go to our first therapy session. It's only October, right? So there's like a few months before January. And then after, right after he just comes in the room and he says, I'm done. I'm over it. Like this isn't going to work anymore. And so for me, that was my second time of being completely blindsided because we decided we were going to try to make things work until January. Looking back, I think therapy was like the, the straw for him. Like, I don't think that he was, he's a great person. I don't think that he was capable of like, approaching things that way. And I think that was extremely triggering for him. I mean, that's just so much that happens in such a short period of time. But when the relationship ended, did he like vocalize the stuff as to why it was ending? Or was it more of just an assumed you guys both know something's not working? So we knew things weren't working. We'd been talking about it a lot. For me, I was in the position that I would have probably kept trying for the rest of my life. Like sometimes I look back and I'm grateful he ended things because I would have just kept trying forever. I was so like, I don't even know if in love with him was the right word. I just had made up my mind that this was the person I was going to get married to. So it was, I was blindsided in that I had, we had both decided we're going to wait till January, but like I was crying every day. Like it wasn't, and he, he wasn't able to comfort me. It wasn't like things were good. Like we both knew that things were really bad. And so it wasn't. And then we, I mean, we could talk about this too, but we didn't fully part ways until January. So like, yeah, he lived here for the rest of the month, which that was the worst time of my life. Don't ever. Yeah. How did, well, 
how did you deal with that? Because I'm actually, I people had asked here and there, like for content around how to do that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really think that happens that often, but now I'm like, oh, it actually happens a lot. So if you could kind of touch on that, I think that would be helpful. Totally. So we broke, he officially ended things, I believe like very end of September. I think it's like the last weekend of September and he didn't move out until October 31st. And so I guess we're fortunate enough that the place is pretty big. It's three bedrooms. So he basically lived in that third bedroom. I got all the rest of the space. Like he knew he had the one was the one that made that decision. But for me, I went into fight or flight and I just wanted him. I just wanted to get back together. I was like, I'll do any. It was terrible. I was like, I'll do anything. We would have these big talks every day. And, you know, I accept all the things that I did wrong. One of the things that I still have small resentments about is that he was never able to own the decision to break up. So there was a lot of like, okay, we'll try to make this work. Maybe let me think about it. Maybe. And even after, after he moved out. So for me, I wasn't even able to start thinking about the breakup till he moved out. And then I wasn't able to start processing at all until we went no contact. So I really feel like the breakup started at the end of December um, because we were in contact until then we were sleeping together sometimes until then. And I just wasn't right. The first thing is to accept that there's a breakup until December. I was still thinking maybe we'll get back together. Maybe if I'm sweet enough, maybe if we have enough fun and for him, he had decided it was over, I think in April, (laughs) but he um, couldn't own that decision. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into June's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. 
Since getting sober over 11 years ago, most of my friends don't drink, and last month at my birthday dinner, we were going around the table talking about our favorite non-alcoholic drink, and almost everyone at the table was talking about how much they love recess, me included. Not only is Recess Mood a delicious drink, Strawberry Rose is my favorite, but they also have Raspberry Lemon, which is so good, Lime Citrus, and more. It's made with real fruit, it's only 20 calories, and it comes with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium, so it can also bring me a much, much needed moment of peace. So whether you're like me and are always on the hunt for functional and tasty non-alcoholic drinks, or you're just looking for something healthy to unwind at the end of the day, Recess mood should be your go-to. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. That's what I always tell. I'm like, if you're going to end a relationship, just have the guts to just set a really strong boundary and do not use. It's so tempting to use the word maybe. And it's so tempting to give a tiny glimmer of hope, but People hang on to every single word that's said during a breakup and it's just, you know, it's absolutely. Yeah. Just be as like stark as possible. When you guys were, let's say after he moved out and you guys would still, you know, see each other and stuff. Was there any, cause I just know for me in the past when I had that happen, it was exciting again. Cause it was when am I going to be able to see him? And like, it felt almost kind of sneaky. And I don't know, did you guys have any of that where it was confusing in the way of maybe it started to feel like how it felt in the beginning? That's exactly what happened. So you're very good at this. You've talked to a lot of people. (laughs) So basically things were terrible while he was living here. And then I had to be the one to tell him to move out. And that is something I'm still frustrated by. I had to be like, this is never going to work. If you are still here, I'm never going to get over you. So I finally made him move out. And then it was such good timing. Shout out to my best friend, Sophie, because Sophie happened to be visiting when I was having my abortion and the weekend that he moved out. And so basically, Sophie stayed with me in the apartment. Sean, he moved out. And then the first time we saw each other again was when he came to like give me the keys, like the final goodbye and suddenly things felt close again there was like a spark it was like magic he had moved out and suddenly we felt close and we talked for a while and things felt really good and we were both like what's going on here and that basically stayed until end of December where suddenly we felt close again we were having sex again we didn't have sex the entire end of our relationship like things felt good again. It was like this weird, special feeling. And ultimately, like in the moment, you're excited by it. But I think that was some of the most harmful times was after the breakup. Yeah, because it's such an extreme up and down. Because when you're up, it's so exciting. But then when you're down, you're realizing, oh, we're not actually together. This is all, I don't know. I don't know what this is, but it's not It's not real. And no. It's interesting because it's you guys have that really intimate connection as long as you're not that close kind yeah. of a thing. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the final straw in December? So we had had this whole exciting plan to spend Christmas together. Again, I'm not I'm Jewish, but Christmas is a really big deal for him. And Hanukkah fell right before Christmas. So we were going to do this whole Hanukkah together and this whole Christmas together. And it was like 
it was really fun. Like we had spent, all of our friends were out of town. Like it did feel like this little thing that we did together the year before we had done Christmas together. It was like really special. You know, we drank a lot, which is another part of the story is every time we were hanging out after we broke up, we were also drinking together because it was the only way to sort of like get out of the idea that like, oh, this person dumped me and like, this feels terrible. And then right like the day after Christmas, we were like, okay, what are we doing here? We need to talk. And I basically said like, we either need to be trying to get back together or this has to be done. Like this has, like, I can't do this anymore. And he was like, I can't get back together with you. I can't even like think about getting back together with you. And that is when I started the whole grieving process. That was the worst I had ever felt because up until that point I had held on to, like you said, any sign, any text, any, he never said he wanted to get back together, like in those plain words, but any single thing that he did, anytime he texted me first, just obsessively reading the signs. And I would not wish that experience on anybody because it's just, you're constantly, your emotions are constantly tied to whatever the other person is doing in very small ways. Did he text me back quickly? Did he text me back slowly? Is he happy when we're hanging out? Is he down when we're hanging out? It's like just madness. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about the fact that, yeah, he he didn't say that he wanted to get back together, but I don't think any reasonable person in their right mind could end a relationship with someone and then go on to talk to them, sleep with them, initiate hanging out, spend a holiday together without knowing what they're thinking. Like there's no way. So yes, while, you know, he never said that this is leading to get back together, his actions, I don't know. I think it would take a very robotic person to be able to do all those things without thinking this it was going to lead somewhere. So once you started that that grieving process, what it what did it look like for you? Yeah, that's a good point. So something else I'll say about the breakup is he was very very angry and I had, you know, for lots of various reasons and I think I have had a difficult time like not being codependent with people and I'm a very anxiously attached person and all of those things. So he was very, very angry. And so I do think at the end, it was kind of like anything goes for him where it was like, I'm just, he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. And he was sort of blinded by that anger. When we decided to actually go no contact, which I had started following your Instagram page, like in November. So I kept thinking like, I kept seeing your post and being like, this this is what it's going to have to lead to because this anxiety is going to kill me. And so when we finally decided to go no contact, it was so hard at first. And like, that's something that you talk a lot about. And it's true. The, the relief doesn't come till later. So at first you think it's worse. At first I was like, I just want to go back to that anxious feeling because this is way worse. And what was even harder is that we are in the same department together. So we would run into each other on campus. He also moved very like half a mile away. So we would run into each other frequently. And so at first, every time we'd run into each other, it was like we needed to have a conversation. Even though we were going no contact, we weren't texting each other. We weren't planning to hang out. But every time we ran into each other, it was like, we need to have a conversation. And that conversation would always end with me sobbing and him being like, 
stop, this isn't going to work, blah, blah, blah. And so eventually, like, I think I got very serious about no contact. I think he's always kind of just been like, what, like, whatever. But for me, that is what allowed me. And I'm excited to talk about like the good parts, because there's been so many good parts. But that is what actually allowed me to start moving on was like, not, it wasn't even so much about contact. It was like, I was centering my life around him. And Mm. I think the only way to let go of that was to just not have him in my life. And so we messed up a few times, honestly. And that's like a big lesson for me. It's now July. We have seen each other a few times since January that it hasn't been perfect, no contact, but that's like always the baseline that I go back to. And every single time I'm stronger. So like, that's another thing. If you mess up, no contact, like, I think it's so important just to get right back the train, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really glad you say that because there are a lot of people that have situations where they see their ex at, at work or, or, and you know what, even if you don't have to see them, but I, I love the idea of like progress, not perfection in this situation. I would, yes, I talk about it a lot and I'm a firm believer in it, but I would so, so, so much rather that you keep making the attempt to make that kind of your North star and just kind of keep going back to it because I know so many people that if they break it once, they're like, screw it. I'm just not going to stick to it. Or people that are going to see their ex at work and they're, you know, it's like, well, it's all or nothing kind of a thing. So I'm really glad that, that you said that. And I think that's great. Even you know, the smallest differences that you can notice in yourself are really big. I think those are the biggest ones where you have a conversation and you're the one that ends it instead of him or, you know, just little things like that are really, really pivotal when it comes to breakup healing, I think. Absolutely. Because that was the biggest thing that I learned throughout all of this is that so much of my life was like in response to him. So much of my emotions was based on, is he giving me attention? Is he not? I was spending, even when we were together, I was spending all week kind of looking forward to like hanging out with him and not super present in my friendships and what I was doing. This was like my biggest realization. And so no contact for me was really about exactly what you're saying, like having my own values and things that I cared about and like how I wanted to feel and then implementing that. And one of the interesting things about the times that we did break no contact or ran into each other was me realizing, wow, I feel so unsettled. I feel so anxious. This is not how I want to feel. I know what is going to lead to me not feeling that way. And that is no contact. And that was like a big wake up call and win for me was like, oh, I feel worse when this person is in my life. Okay. What does that mean? Yeah, that's great. And sometimes we need the contrast to be able to affirm that what we're doing is working. And, you know, I've had people where I've been coaching them and it's they cannot get past the idea of staying no contact. And sometimes I'm like, maybe you do need to reach out. Maybe you need to like just see it one more time or hear it one more time or feel it one more time to just know that nothing has changed. It's still not a good idea. So I really like that. And and what you were saying, it's almost like so much of your life, you were just kind of living on defense of you're just like reaction, yes. reactionary to everything. And so finally being able to take some power back over that and be like, okay, I'm, I can do 
what I want to do, not in response to anything, but just because I want to do that. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is as someone who is in relationships for so long, how has it been adjusting to being single for, you know, the first time, what, since you were like 18? Yeah. So this is the first time I've been truly single since I was 19. It has been like the most like beautiful experience of my life in the fact that I just feel like I'm learning and like feeling emotions and sensations that I've never felt before. So when we broke up, like in when things officially ended in December, I made a deal with myself that I was going to stay completely single for six months. Every friend or family member who I told about that, their response is always like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. (laughs) And so that kind of made me realize like, okay, the people in my life have something to say about this. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm still completely single. So it's been longer than six months at this point. But for me, I think the beauty of it was reflecting on how much of my, how much of the joy and excitement that was in my life had previously been from romantic relationships. That was a really big insight that I didn't realize because I'd never had an alternative. So I have gone super headfirst into work. I was thinking of dropping out of the PhD program when we were together. I was really unhappy with it. Once we broke up, I realized that a lot of that unhappiness was just kind of a discontent with my life in general. It had nothing to do with the program. So I've gone headfirst into that. I have developed like really strong relationships with my friends. I realized that a lot of the time when I was hanging out with my friends, when I was in a relationship, it kind of felt like I was just waiting to be able to get back with my ex. I was just kind of like, I was enjoying it. I knew I needed to spend time with my friends, but it wasn't like a deep connection that was fulfilling. That was like fulfilling deep parts of me. And my friends have just like shown up. Like I, they have shown up and they've also been like so patient. And I think some of their feedback has been really validating too. them just saying how much they've seen a change in me, them saying how proud they are of me. Like those are things that I never thought would even have the weight that they do. And they're just like incredible. Music sounds better. Food tastes better. I don't know. I just feel much more able to be present. And I think for me, it's been a big wake up call of like, okay, I do want to be in a relationship. I do want to get married. I want to have kids. What is that going to look like to have that be an important part of my life and not have that be the only part of my life? And that is the part I haven't figured out yet. So working on it. I think that's such a common experience for people where it's you get out of a relationship and it's almost like your food tasting better. It's almost like your world's just no longer revolving around that person. And, you know, being at a restaurant, like, do they like it? Are they happy? Are, you know, do I look good enough? Like, you know, it's just so like your mind is just so consumed with their thoughts and their thoughts about you and your thoughts about them. And so finally being able to be like, okay, I'm just eating for me. Like, do I like this, you know, kind of a thing. And, and I liked what you said too, about not realizing what you were getting out of relationships until you were able to kind of let go of that life preserver and just kind of figure it out while you were treading water almost. And I think so many people have a fear of being single, but they don't know why. And I really do think 
for most people, you do have to kind of force yourself to be single to learn what it was that you were getting out of relationships. Absolutely. And I didn't think I could do it. I was so scared. I was so scared to live alone. I was so scared to like, even within holidays are always hard. You talk about this, even with like 4th of July, for example, just the holiday yesterday, what does it mean to like not have an automatic person that is going to hang out with you, that is going to do stuff with you, but to spend some time with yourself and also like use your own resources to find friends and hang out with friends. It just takes an extra level of like effort, but I think it's really, really important. And it's not an experience I've had before. There was always sort of an automatic person to do things with, to spend holidays with, to spend breaks with. So it's been a challenge, but I think like, I'm so glad that this happened. And I hope, I think a lot of people will get there. I've also had like a lot of friends go through breakups. I think there does come a point you're glad it happened. Yeah. I think all people get to that place, honestly. And I am so grateful for you sharing your story of of the breakup and the healing. And the question I always like to end these with is if you could go back, I'm just trying to think of what version I want you to go back to. I'm going to go with the October version of yourself. Mm-hmm. If you could go back there and and tell yourself something, what would you want to tell her? Mm, I feel like I would just want her to know that like life can be like beautiful in ways that you don't even anticipate. Like it's so hard to imagine what it's going to be like single. It's impossible to imagine it because your life does change completely. But I think I just want her to know like how grateful I am to have that experience and how grateful I am to have trusted myself enough to allow this to happen, to be single, to go through, you know, what was one of the hardest times in my life. So I, you know, maybe if she'd known that earlier, what happened sooner? <laughs> hey, you, no, no, no. And things yeah. unfolded exactly like they were supposed to. I think everyone's exactly. breakup story is exactly as it should be. And I'm so glad you came on. And like I said, I'm I'm going to link your article below that you wrote. And I'm just really appreciative for your vulnerability and your openness to share this. And I know it'll help so many people. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.